Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. I read 95 books every year, uh, as you may know. If you don't know, uh, go to 95books.com. You can read all about uh, and learn about the 95 Books Challenge, which I discussed on a previous podcast. I've got an article about it there. Um, But as I say, I read at least 95 books every year. And uh, as a result of that, and because, you know, I've got a PhD in literature and, you know, I teach books and I'm a writer and so on, people are always asking me to recommend books to them. And, you know, it's hard to recommend books to people because of a variety of reasons, but uh, it's easier when you know what they're interested in, in terms of, you know, specific narrow kind of niches of interest. Uh, so of course, you know, when people ask me to recommend books, I ask them some questions about what you know they like and what they don't like. I always try to recommend kind of weird, uh, unusual books if I can, but primarily and specifically, I'm trying to recommend books that I think will just be useful to them, whether it's you know nonfiction books that will help them learn a thing they want to learn, or you know just fiction or poetry that is you know kind of off the beaten path, not the kind of thing they would normally encounter, but um, you know maybe want uh, to find uh, would actually benefit from in the sense of, you know, just experiencing something new and different and interesting. Um, but then again, like I say, there's certain scenarios where you've got really specific uh, requests being made in terms of like, I want to learn X, please recommend a book about X. Um, so I got a recommend a question like that uh, last night when I was leaving my screenwriting class. Um, and I get that question a lot of what books do you recommend, you know, around screenwriting? Now, uh, again, I'm teaching the screenwriting class as I often uh, every winter or fall, uh, usually in the winter term, I teach a screenwriting class and I kind of oscillate between uh, film writing and TV writing. Um, and I, I no longer sign a textbook for that class. I used to assign textbooks uh, for the class, but what I found was um, there were a couple problems. Uh, one was simply that I didn't know one single book uh, that really had everything I wanted in it. But if I were to sign any single book, the students would overinvest in that book. So because I had assigned the book, it's sort of, a, you know, the book, of course, kind of, you know, presents itself as an authority. And then it seemed like I was additionally lending my authority to the book. And I found out that I would have a weird situation in the classroom where I would assign a book and I would then maybe disagree with portions of the book. And students would kind of weirdly over-invest in my recommendation of the book and kind of under-invest in the things I was saying. (laughs) So it's kind of a strange thing where... If they had just encountered the book on their own, they would have, you know, questioned it a bit more fully than if I had assigned the book. Then when they kind of stopped questioning it uh, to the degree that, you know, maybe they would have normally. Uh, and s- kind of had this weird scenario where I'm kind of arguing almost against myself. Like I'm telling them, here, read this book. Then I'm saying, yeah, but, you know, don't, this thing in the book I wouldn't necessarily agree with. And they would kind of get a bit more back and forth. And when I don't assign the books, when I don't assign the books, and they don't have a textbook, you know, I'm free to uh, present my own ideas and I can pull from a bunch of books and just kind of tell them what books I'm t- pulling from. 
um, and they don't kind of take any single book as a Bible. So in that spirit, uh, at the same time, though, like uh, the other side of it, though, is I get people asking me as a result of not assigning. You know, I could, of course, sign multiple books, but then, you know, I, I try not to assign too many books in classes because what happens is students don't buy them. If you assign too many, they don't buy them, don't read them. Um, it's almost better to assign uh, no books than too many books. Um, but I would recommend a number of books on screenwriting. And so, again, I get that question a lot. I got it last night. Um, what books did you recommend around screenwriting or television writing? Uh, I'm going to give you my best. Again, because I get this question asked a lot, it just occurred to me that maybe I should record a podcast and put up a blog post where I just tell you uh, what are the best screenwriting books, in my opinion. Now, I haven't read every book, um, but I've read quite a number of them. I try to keep abreast of uh, writing books. You know, I get a lot of them just mailed to me. I request many of them. Other ones just sort of show up in the mail. Um, I read as many of them as I can. Uh, I read most of them. I'll even continue reading a book often when it is not of interest, uh, just to kind of see how the book's constructed. Because, of course, down the line, I'm thinking about you know writing books along of this type myself. So uh, that little preamble is just to say that I'm going to recommend to you now my top 11 screenwriting books. Uh, so these are not the best writing books, but specifically screenwriting books. I'll maybe do some other podcasts where I talk about writing books in different areas. But these are the 11 best screenwriting books, in my opinion. And I'm going to recommend them in order. So these are the order that I suggest you read them in. You, you know, If you don't know anything about screenwriting, um, these are the books I recommend, these 11 books. And I recommend you read them in this order. So um, I'll talk about why that is uh, and so on. But if I sat you down and, you know, was going to mentor you through the screenwriting process and I had, you know, a length of time and I could make you read 11 books, in, you know, I would make you read these books in this order. Uh, and if you go to jonathanball.com slash 24 or jonathanball.com slash best screenwriting books, either of those links you know, slash jonathanball.com slash 24 or jonathanball.com slash best screenwriting books. Either of those links will take you to uh, the show notes for this episode, which feature, you know, all these books, um, links to, you know, you where you can get them off Amazon or, or McNally or wherever. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, I'll put this podcast up there. I'll put this list up there. And then I'll update not the podcast, but that list uh, as time goes on. So if there's some better books that come along, I'll update that list. Um, so, you know, the podcast, I'll just archive there. So you can, but uh, I'll update the list as time goes on. Uh, I think that'll be the best thing. Then when people ask me, you know, what books do you recommend? I can just send this link. Um, I don't have to maybe go through this big spiel again. Uh, but I'm going to recommend to you 11 books, like I say. I'm going to talk about each one uh, a little bit, and I'm going to talk again about them in a specific order. So if you don't know anything about screenwriting, let's just start there. You want to get into screenwriting. Um, maybe you've tried your hand at screenwriting. Maybe you've you know, even done some screenwriting. Um, but at this point, you're looking for books. You're looking for a bit more depth, a bit more resources. Maybe you want to take a class in screenwriting. Maybe you're taking my class in screenwriting. Uh, and you want, uh, you know, some additional resources. Well, this is what I recommend, and this is the order in which I recommend. So some of these books will be familiar. The, some of them are kind of the obvious books. Uh, other ones you might be surprised I'm not recommending to you. Uh, 
um, if you do know anything about screenwriting books. Um, and other ones you likely have not really heard of or not particularly well known. Uh, so uh, I'll preface this all with saying this is just my uh, kind of specific recommendations. You know, I'm not the god of screenwriting by any means, but I do have, I think, a certain um, uh, way of uh, approaching a list like this that I don't see a whole lot. Um, again, like this is how I would recommend you read the books in this order uh, to get the most out of not only these books, but in terms of like just practically how would you apply it to your own work. Um, so I'll talk a bit about this as I go through each book. The first book I want to recommend to you is, you know, kind of a classic uh, screenwriting book. It's called Save the Cat uh, by Blake Snyder. Save the Cat. It's called The Last Screen... Its subtitle is The Last Book on Screenwriting You'll Ever Need. Now, I maintain it's the first book on screenwriting you'll ever need, not the last book. Um, but it's a good book to start with for a couple of reasons. One is that Blake Snyder um, actually, you know, sold some screenplays in Hollywood. You know, sometimes these books um, are written, are, are very excellent. Uh, but, uh, you know, you come at them maybe with a bit of skepticism because you don't necessarily recognize the name of the writer. Um, they ne you know, haven't necessarily sold a lot of scripts. Now, or had a lot of scripts produced. Now, that doesn't really matter so, so much because you can have a, you know, excellent and, you know, lucrative screenwriting career not really having um, that much stuff produced. Uh, it's kind of a weird uh, career in that way, but I say the cat is a good book for a couple of reasons. One is the, you know, Blake Snyder, I think, is a pretty indisputed authority in a certain respect it's a classic so it's a safe recommend you can find the book easily uh, it's not an overly expensive book it's very slim it's you know my it runs under 200 pages um, so it's a you know quick read it's an easy read the book style is very engaging but i think the most important thing about it is it's very uh practicable so if you pick up this book and read it today, you could start writing a screenplay tomorrow. Uh, he, he lays out a formula, like a literal formula, you know, down to like the page number of when he thinks, you know, he's got these 14, 15 um, elements of a screenplay and he breaks apart uh, just every single one of them, what he thinks each one is, and he explains each one. And he even, you know, suggests like roughly like where like, a page number uh, of a 110 page script uh, you would put this item on now you don't have to write screenplays that are exactly 110 pages you don't have to you know use this formula by any means i would actually re not recommend exactly that you use this formula you know but let me tell you another thing it does work this formula will work to give you a decent screen story in terms of its structure if you actually do what he says, you can write a fine story. Will it be a great story? I would say no. Uh, not likely because the formula is pretty rigid and I think it's in some ways too rigid. But if you're just kind of starting out with screenwriting, you really need some rigidity. You really need to figure out a strict formula. You, know, you could do a lot worse um, than starting with a formula. 
don't end with the formula you know like move past this book like I say it's not despite the subtitle it's not the last book on screenwriting that you'll ever need but I think it's the first book on screenwriting that you should use um, you know I would recommend again if you just pick this book up read it today you could start writing a script tomorrow you could use this formula it will work more or less it's got weaknesses uh, but it does have a lot of strengths and it's I, I think for beginner writers it really helps to just adopt formulas and adopt systems and just kind of start with some sort of um, usable workable structure you know if you want to write songs uh, you could do worse than just starting with the verse of course verse uh, you know bridge chorus kind of thing you know yeah, I don't know if that's sounds songwriting I haven't written a song for a while but um, you know start with the structure start with his formula uh, get a bit of a hang for it and then you know like I say move past it move on that's the first place I would start it's a very quick fun uh, readable completely understandable book um, the only sort of little caution of the book is at various points in the book Snyder says just email me and I'll answer your email uh, but he died so he's not gonna answer your email I don't know why they haven't put out a new edition without that but um, excellent book great place to start and again a classic uh, of the genre a lot of people know that book now the second book I'm gonna recommend that you read after this one is a little less well known but this is one of my favorite screenwriting books it's called the way of the screenwriter um, and it's by an author called Amnon Bookbender uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly Amnon Bookbender uh, and Bookbender is sort of a, a Canadian uh, independent uh, writer and filmmaker uh, and the way of the screenwriter is you know an underappreciated book it, it is really quite excellent uh, I read this book quite a number of years ago and I was very impressed with a number of things that he does in this book one of the things that I think is really useful uh, for a beginning writer uh, and a, a useful book to read after reading Save the Cat is Bookbinder suggests a plot structure uh, that is very different in some respects from Snyder's you'll see certain similarities uh, when you look at the two books but Bookbinder's scenario he has a structure he calls uh, the alchemical ladder uh, and so it's a um, you know eight part structure basically uh, rather than Snyder's you know 15 part stu structure and Bookbinder's explanation of the structure is much more um, flexible so it is a sort of a formula in the sense that it, you know it's a, it's a narrative structure we're talking narrative films when I talk about screenwriting narrative films narrative television I'm not talking about like dog cue dramas and uh, things of that nature I was writing um, audiovisual scripts for a uh, true crime show for a little while um, an audiovisual script is you know completely unrecognizable compared to a um, like a screenplay uh, so I'm not talking about that I'm talking about when we're talking I'm also not talking about like experimental you know surrealist uh, experimental film or something like that I mean you could do surrealist film in this way but you know I'm not talking about experimental film I'm not talking about you know documentaries uh, of a certain type uh, I'm talking you know narrative films if you're interested in narrative film narrative television 
I mean, you're going to use story structure. Um, there's a lot of narratological theories, you know, a lot of ideas about story structure. Uh, I don't want to get too far into them right here, right now. Um, but I do, th I'll talk about that in another podcast, uh, perhaps, but, uh, you know, you'll see some common elements across these books. And what I like about Bookbender, he doesn't go as far as I would, uh, but he does go pretty far in terms of stripping, you know, what a story is down to its, you know, core elements. Um, again, I would go a little further than Bookbender does. I would kind of work with a looser structure than he has. He has a more, bit more of a rigid structure than I would suggest. But it's much looser, much more flexible, much more adaptable um, than you know the way that Snyder is going to present a screen story. So, uh, and, and also I think Bookbender's book is really useful in that it has some really good and clear examples um, he walks through a few really excellent film examples. Um, he uses some uh, ex more experimental sort of work uh, to discuss. He uses uh, some you know very kind of high concept you know comedy s sci-fi uh, examples. He's got some really good um, really good basic approach. He talks about Galaxy Quest quite a bit. Um, he talks about Memento. You know, he's talking about some movies that are pretty, uh, you know, um, pretty useful and interesting films for a beginning kind of writer to look at. And a, but it's not a super safe list. You know, he's got a very good, it's a very good book, and he's got a very good approach. And he covers a lot of material. Again, I think his alchemical ladder structure is um, really useful in terms of. A more flexible way of thinking about screen story than some of the other uh, books are going to give you. So that's my s second recommend. The second book I think you should read on screenwriting: Amnon Bookbender's *The Way of the Screenwriter*. A third book I would suggest is a book by a guy named Dave uh, David Trottier, and it's called *The Screenwriter's Bible*. And its uh, subtitle is *A Complete Guide to Writing, Formatting, and Selling Your Script*. Uh, so it's in the sixth edition. In 2014, he published uh, edition six of this book. Uh, this was actually the first screenwriting book I ever owned. Um, I bought the first edition, but I don't remember how long ago it was. Um, when I was a kid, basically. Um, 94 is when he put the first edition. So around that time, I bought the first edition of this book. Um, this book is really excellent. It's very practical, very straightforward. It covers a lot of material very quickly. Um, it's much less theoretical than you know, Bookbender's or even Snyder's book is. It has a lot less to say about story structure, and it just kind of gets more into the nuts and bolts of how to put a script together. So it gets into script format. Um, it gets into you know, how to format a script, it's, and it actually shows you some really nice examples. Now, it's a little out of date in the sense that he he needs to update it again and kind of... Um, he needs to acknowledge that script format is not as rigid as he says it is. At the same time, if you do what he says, you're pretty close to a good script format. Now, uh, one of the things that I'll do is I will put up in the blog post, uh, in the show notes, I'll put up a, a sample 
of script format that I think is a little better than uh, David Trottier's example. Uh, but his example is really good in that it goes through um, in a lot of detail how the script breaks down. And in fact, if you buy this book, it's a very large, like it's a big um, book. It's about like nine by 12 uh, inches. And so when he shows you a script page, it's actually the right size. It's actually a full size script page, um, which I think is a lot better than looking at you know these kind of very small uh, size versions that are kind of um, reduced, you know, to fit into a normal like six by nine book. So he, this is a really big, you know, massive uh, volume. It's going to be kind of awkward and it won't fit in your shelf super well. He's pretty prescriptive. Um, I don't think he is always right, but he's never wrong. Let's put it that way. Nothing he says is wrong. Um, it's just not quite as right as what he says. A lot of these books are like that. You know, they have a lot of really prescriptive uh, things to say. They say, do it this way, do it that way. And what they don't say is you can do it different ways. But they're not wrong. Like, their ways are correct. Like, you can do everything that Trottier says. You can do everything Blake Snyder says. It will work. It is correct. Uh, the trap is you, you know, treat, you actually you know, treat the screenwriter's Bible as your Bible, uh, for as a screenwriter's Bible, and you don't kind of go beyond it, and you just, you know, uh, you just stick with it. That said, there are way worse places to start. Now, the only reason I don't suggest this as a first book is I think it helps to get a little bit more theory under your belt before you move in to the practical stuff. The Snyder book is nice because it kind of is giving you very practical lessons, but at the same time, it's delivering you some theoretical ideas. Um, the bookbinder book is giving you some practical lessons, but it's a bit much heavier on you know the theoretical angle and on analysis of existing scripts and films. Um, this Trottier book, the Screener's Bible, is not so interested in academic uh, analysis. It's not so interested in like the theory behind what's you know to do as a screenwriter. It's very practical. Um, again, you could start with this book. I, just, I started with this book, um, but I would maybe suggest it as my, your third book. You know, don't worry so much about the format, uh, how your script's supposed to look, and how it might um, actually, you know, uh, be structured as a document before you kind of get some of your uh, basic ideas about story down. Now, after you've done those three books, let's say you've read those three books. You've read you know, Save the Cat, you've read uh, The Way of the Screenwriter, you've read Screenwriter's Bible. At that point, I would say just write a script. You know, if you haven't already, just write a script. Uh, don't keep reading books. Uh, write a script and then come back to, you know, looking at screenwriting books, okay? So if this is the start of your screenwriting journey, if you don't know anything, go read those three books. Uh, write a script as you're reading them. Write a script after you've read them. But don't uh, get stuck in the trap of just doing research. Don't think you have to read every book on screenwriting before you write a script. Read those three, then write a script. Okay? Uh, now, if you've already written a script, or if you've already read those books or whatever, after you write a script, you know, pause this, write a script, write a 100-page script and come back. Um, then, you know, pick up a, these other books and just get a bit more into it 
uh, in terms of you know getting ready to write your next script or even just edit your first script. Now, the fourth book I recommend, we're back to Blake Snyder. Uh, and Snyder has a sequel, uh, more or less, that he calls Save the Cat uh, Strikes Back. And Save the Cat Strikes Back is a great book uh, to read. Again, it's under 200 pages. It's very stripped down, very you know, engaging, very simply, uh, and very, very simple, very practical. What's nice about Save the Cat Strikes Back is that it just kind of runs through basic problems you see in scripts. Uh, he talks about other things, but I think the reason to read this book um, is if you pick this book up you and you read it, you'll rec after, you've, after you've written a script, again, after you've written a script, you read this book, you'll recognize like the biggest problems like he'll he'll go right through all the problems with your script. He'll say this is one of the things people usually do in the script. There's another thing that people usually do in the script. There's another thing that people usually do in the script. He'll run through all the you know big problems people typically uh, encounter. They make it too complicated, for example. Um, so there's other things that he covers, but uh, I think the big value of this book, so the cat strikes back, is that he really gets into some uh, good detail about what are the mistakes writers typically make in scripts and how do you fix those mistakes so again if you've got a script already that you've written uh, this is a great place to start as you're moving into the editing process save a cat strikes back first book i would say to read on editing just as snyder is the first book to read you know on writing now again don't stop there snyder is not um he's not he doesn't go that far into depth what he says will work it's fine um, but he's not getting into depth really. Now, if you, at this point you've read four books on screenwriting, you've written at least one screenplay. Now you're ready um, to to read the real, you know, quote unquote, screenwriter's bible uh, story by Robert McKee. Now, Robert McKee, you probably have at least heard of if you know anything about screenwriting. He makes an infamous appearance uh, in adaptation. Uh, you know, he, there's a character called Robert McKee who is based on the real Robert McKee, um, and you know, he's this kind of brash uh, writing guru who gives an expensive seminar, and he has a book called Story uh, that is like his bible. All that is true, <laughs> um, but you know what? people don't say about Robert McKee uh, his book story is the best book I've ever seen on writing narrative writing and his everything he says is correct again though I would say he's not um, he's not wrong about everything but he's not right about everything maybe it's a better way to put it he's not wrong about anything but he's not right about everything uh, he he admits very quickly in this book Look, you know what I have to say is not extremely applicable to experimental stories. Mainly, he's interested in mainstream, uh, you know, kind of storytelling. So, great place to start. Like I say, uh, again, my bias, as you may know by now, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, or reading my work for any length of time, or even if you picked up, even just picked up and flipped through without reading one of my books, you'll know immediately that my bias is not uh, McKee's. I'm not interested in the same way as he is in mainstream storytelling. I'm just not. 
I'm interested in more experimental methods, more experimental storytelling. But I learned all this stuff first. You know, I started, you start here. Uh, you start with getting a handle on how stories generally work. And then you move past that, in my opinion. So McKee kind of um, basically dismisses um, experimental structures more or less very quickly. Although he makes, you know, some points later on that about the value of, you know, experimental approaches and doing something a bit more interesting and original. Again, I wouldn't treat this book like a Bible, although he w would like you to treat it as a Bible. You can only buy it in a hardcover. Um, you know, it doesn't exist in like a paperback version. It's very much meant in, in to present itself as a big authority. But it's a great book, you know. Uh, this is the theory that you need. All of narratological theory that is actually practically applicable to screenwriting, he's crushed down into one book. So it's a big old book. It's kind of confusing at times. Um, great book. I read it again and again. Again, I don't stop there. I don't think he's right about everything, but he's not wrong about anything. Let's put it that way. Much better book than... Um, you know, many people would have you believe. And the next book I would suggest you read after you read McKee's story is McKee's other book on writing, which is all about dialogue. In fact, it's just titled Dialogue. You know, I really appreciate a guy like McKee, like, because I'm an academic on various levels, right? Like, I've got a PhD in creative writing, but my PhD is, you know, it's very much focused in like theory. Um, you know, I did field exams in literary theory, and I did my major exams in Canadian literature. Um, I didn't like sit down and read a bunch of creative writing textbooks. You know, I did a creative writing dissertation, but all my reading, all my field exams were in ac were just academic. You know, like so if I just had a and I and I, and I did end up actually uh, not as my dissertation, but after my PhD. I did, you know, write an academic monograph. I studied, I published a peer review, uh, you know, academic study with the University of Toronto Press. You know, I'm effectively an academic who is, you know, more fully a creative writer. Let's put it that way. So I appreciate a guy like McKee who is, you know, taking a very academic style and tone, and he's really, you know, pulling a lot of research together and. Uh, he spends like 50 pages almost just defining what dialogue is. <laughs> and like the, the, the three functions of dialogue is the name of the one, the one in the early chapters. It ends on page 44. So by the time you hit page 45, all you've learned is what dialogue is in his definition. And it's three functions, which of course, in McKee says, it only has three functions. I think you'd argue with a lot of, but again, like you could argue with some of this. But it's pretty exhaustive. Like, if you want to know about dialogue, well, here's everything there is to know about dialogue, more or less. Really clever uh, book, very exhaustive, very smart. Again, it's very academic. There's, you know, a real practical value in understanding these things and applying these concepts. But I don't think he necessarily explains clearly, like, how to apply these concepts. Um, his books, again, they are very practical in the sense that you can like take that information and use it, but he doesn't necessarily show you how to do that. Um, but I would say that McKee's books are essential reading 
uh, both story and dialogue, essential reading if you are going to uh, move past your first draft. Like if you write one draft of a screenplay and you decide to give up writing screenplays, fine, don't bother with this stuff. But if you're going to keep going forward and writing screenplays, um, you're going to edit your screenplay and write a new one, you know, that's when you really need to think, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. I better get serious and learn some of this stuff. So the next book I'm going to recommend is also very academic in tone uh, in that sense. So at this point, again, we've got a lot of practical books under our belt. We've read, you know, three really practical books to start with about writing. Um, we've uh, gotten a basic handle on story structure with those three books. We've written a script. We've gotten our format figured out. Then we've read a really simple, uh, practical book on editing. Um, now we are moving into academic mode. We're going kind of backwards a little bit in the sense of getting real grip on what story is and how it works. Um, we've gone through McKee's uh, story. We've gotten a real focus on dialogue. Dialogue is especially important in screenwriting because of course screenwriting is a unique uh, style of writing for an author, for a literary writer, uh, because it's not literature. A screenplay is not literature. Um, it is not a literary document. You know, readers, you know, an audience doesn't read a screenplay, basically, is what it boils down to. When you write a screenplay, you're writing a blueprint for other people to take and turn into an artwork. You're not producing an artwork. Screenplays are not artworks. You know, you, they have artistic qualities, but they're not artworks. Uh, you know, the words that you write do not get delivered to an audience, the exception being the dialogue itself. So, I mean, that dialogue might change in production, but anything, you, the only thing you write in the screenplay that actually has a hope of, you know, translating itself down the, through the process to the audience is the dialogue. Hence, you know, why McKee wrote a whole book about dialogue, why you really need to spend a lot of time focusing on dialogue and figuring out what it is and how it works. And a lot of your editing is going to be editing the dialogue. You know, there's other things to edit, but a lot of your time will be spent there. Now, once you've kind of got that under your belt, I think at that point you need to get uh, a broader sense of types of story. And there's a, at this point, there's a lot of books that you can branch out into. I would say those are the real essential books. And then at, now at this point, we're kind of branching out a little bit uh, more broadly. Uh, so I would so, and I recommend these books to everybody, even though they're a little more specific. So, there's a book here called "Writing the Horror Movie" by Mark Blake and Sarah Bailey. Now, maybe you don't want to write horror movies. Uh, nevertheless, I would suggest you read this book. Um, not because you know you want to write horror movies. Of course, if you do want to write horror movies, you you pretty much have to read a book like this. Um, but if you don't want to write horror movies, it's I think it's very useful to still read a book like this and kind of get a sense of how a, a genre works, uh, how different story types, different story genres tend to work. Horror is a very strange and unique genre in certain ways. Um, without getting too academic uh, about it, I think it's a really interesting, uh, unique genre in terms of... Um, in a few ways. Uh, one is that it is a genre where it's very has very clear rules, you know, very clear um, 
rules in a certain sense about what is and is not horror. And so if you kind of just want a case study of how to you know, niche down to a particular story type, horror is an interesting place to look because it's just, you know, a lot of things that are relevant in other genres are just also relevant in horror, but more clear. It's more easy to see them happening in horror. The other thing that's interesting, and I think kind of essential about horror is horror is one of the few genres that is possible to break into um, a little, not more easily, but um, like with a lower budget. Uh, so a horror film, it's still the case that a horror film does not need stars necessarily to tell to, sh to sell a story. I mean, obviously it helps. And it's getting to the B, uh, maybe that you know a horror film might need stars. But I think it still is a genre where an audience doesn't require a star. Uh, an audience also in horror is open to a lot of experimentation. Again, my experience, express um, interest is in experimentation you know experimental storytelling and I think that horror is the most um, experimental genre uh, of narrative that exists certainly in movies um, and it offers a lot of possibilities the audience is willing to tolerate a lot uh, if it stays in the genre you know, if they don't need a star. They don't need even a normal story. They're open to all sorts of weird, surrealistic, experimental approaches and forms. And they don't need a three-act structure. They don't need anything other than, you know, just some core. Uh, they need a monster, you know. Um, you can really play around a lot. So I think uh, horror is a great genre to learn about and, of course, also write in. But if you don't want to write horror, you should still, I think, learn um a lot from these books the other th the thing that's now writing the horror movie is a very academic minded book uh, so it's gonna you know kind of just go through a lot of the theory and academics it's not so useful in terms of like practically like here's how you write a story it's much more of a, like a study of the horror film and some of the things a writer should know um, so again even if you're not going to write horror i think like this is the kind of thing this is the way you should be thinking about your genre. If you're writing horror, you should be thinking, you know, here's the background on horror film. Here's, you know, kind of a, a breakdown of how horror films work, more or less, structurally speaking, and um, theoretically uh, speaking in terms of a lot of the ideas and ways that the genre historically has developed. If you're not interested in horror, you should be thinking like this in your genre. You know, if you're writing science fiction or you're writing romance, you should really be thinking about these same things in your genre. Now, if you want to move more practically, though, um, there's a book called Horror Screenwriting uh, by Devin Watson. Uh, and I recommend this book a lot. Even again, even if you don't want to uh, write horror films, I think you should read Horror Screenwriting. Uh, in some ways, it's a very basic beginner book. Um, you know, it really does kind of go right back to the kind of stuff Blake Snyder is talking about. Um, it's, again, a very basic book after you've read these other ones that I've recommended. You may think it's a step backwards in that way. Um, what I think is really valuable about this book is that as Devin Watson is explaining, you know, here's how you write dialogue, here's how you write, you know, describe a setting, as he's explaining all that stuff, 
he actually writes a screenplay. So he kind of, you know, rolls through the first um, yeah, around 15 pages of a script. You know, he actually like develops, you know, a whole bunch, of, like a bunch of script. He develops and it takes and he comes up with an original idea. He develops it into the first, you know, 15 or so pages of, of, of the script. Um, so it's a nice case study of like how a writer actually might take these theoretical ideas and apply them. So again, if you just read, you know, writing the horror movie, you got all these theoretical ideas about the genre. Now, you know, you're reading horror screenwriting. You're seeing how they get applied, practically speaking. Even if you don't want to write horror, again, I think like that's the kind of thing you should be doing. Taking these theoretical, uh, getting this grounding in your genre, getting this grounding in the kinds of stories you want to write, and then you know, looking at how do you practically break that down and apply it. So uh, I think it's a great case study. It's a great example of how to take that kind of very high concept material and just kind of bring it break down to a practical level. Uh, now I wish this book was a bit more had a bit more depth and was a bit more complicated. Um, I wish he went further with the case study, uh, but I think it's a really excellent. I've never seen a book that quite does it um, like that, and uh, I think it's a great approach. Now, so far we've only really been talking about feature film writing, screenwriting, and also um, we've been talking about just general narrative structure, story structure. Uh, the next book I'm going to suggest kind of moves us into television writing. In fact, it's called Writing the TV Drama Series. It's by Pamela Douglas. Now, I've got this book in third edition. I understand there's a fourth edition about to come out. Uh, now, I haven't seen the fourth edition yet. I've had it, I've requested it and it hasn't uh, arrived yet. Um, but Pamela Douglas, Writing the TV dr Drama Series, Really great book. Uh, the best book I've ever seen on TV writing. Um, it has a little, again, I think it could use an update uh, in certain ways. And I, like I say, she has produced an update. The fourth edition I haven't seen yet, but it is uh, out or coming out. So I recommend the new edition, uh, the fourth edition, even though I haven't seen it, it's just gonna be a better version of this book. Um, so I really think you should check that book out, Writing the TV Drama Series. Again, obviously, it gets, it's a lot of the same material you'll see repeated again and again um, from what we've seen before. But she's kind of applying it a bit more specifically to TV writing. She's getting in some of the specific things that make television uh, different from uh, movies. Um, the main one being that television is a franchise. A television show is a franchise like McDonald's. You know, I, I give that quiz uh, to my students every time I teach TV writing. I ask them, you know, what is a movie, what is a television show most like? Is it most like a f feature film? Is it most like a novel? Or is it most like McDonald's? And the answer is McDonald's. Television shows are franchises. Um, McDonald's in Russia and McDonald's in India and McDonald's in the United States are all basically the same. You know, they have some differences, but they're still McDonald's. You walk in, you know where you are. Um, TV shows are like that. Uh, without getting too far into uh, that idea, um, let's just kind of move on. Uh, but I do recommend, uh, in terms of TV writing, if you're really interested in TV writing, again, I would say read all the other stuff first. Um, but the first book on TV writing I would suggest is 
for drama anyway, is Pamela Douglas writing the TV drama series. Now I suggest you start with drama, uh, dramatic TV writing, and then move on to comedy. Uh, and so I recommend a book uh, called Elephant Bucks, which is, a, I hate this title, I gotta say. I hate this title. Uh, but it is nevertheless the title, Elephant Bucks, an Inside Guide to Writing for TV Sitcoms by Sheldon Bull. Uh, I mean, I don't like this title. I think it gives completely the wrong uh, impression and it plays to that whole uh, that whole attitude of like get rich quick by becoming a writer you're not gonna get rich quick being a writer let me just say that writing is maybe one of the hardest you can't get rich being a writer but like writing is maybe one of the hardest ways to make money my joke about writing is you can make a lot of money being a writer it's it's very difficult to make a lot of writing right money writing very difficult to make a lot of money writing and it's very easy to make a little bit of money writing what you can't make, what's almost impossible is making a normal amount, <laughs> like making a normal amount of money. You're almost always starving, uh, you know, or just cash is raining down you. Um, it's feast or famine as a writer, you know. So yes, there's elephant bucks in, you know, writing TV sitcoms. But no, it's not easy, you know. Uh, it's the kind of thing you should do if you love it and you can't imagine yourself not doing it. Uh, but if that is what you want to do, you want to write TV sitcoms, read all that other stuff, then read Pamela Douglas's, you know, book on TV drama, and then get into Elephant Books. Despite the title, this is a really great book. And Sheldon Bull does a thing I've never seen before in a book on writing comedy, which is that he acknowledges immediately that the hardest thing about writing comedy is getting a dramatic story structured properly you know he points out that the comedic stuff is uh difficult um you have to you know it, and it works in a lot of complex levels uh, in many ways comedy is harder than drama i, I maintain i believe uh the comedy is harder than drama to write for a lot of reasons um, and Bull gets into a number of the reasons. But one of the things you need to understand for writing comedy is you kind of, if you can't write drama, you can't write comedy. That's just, I think, all there is to it. If you can't write drama, you can't write comedy. So um, get your drama chops down first. Then move into, you know, comedy. Elephant Bucks, best book I've seen uh, so far, anyway, on writing comedy. And now I've got some other, there's some new books out on writing comedy I have to check out. So again, if I update this list, um, uh, you'll you'll know uh, because you'll see it at jonathanball.com slash best screenwriting books. jonathanball.com slash best screenwriting books. Uh, any better book than this I find, I'll put up there. But this is an amazing book. And then the last book I'll recommend, you know, book 11. Uh, when you've read all that stuff, uh, here's the book I'll suggest next. And I want to just make a shout out now to... Uh, Gregory Kamijic, who's always going on about uh, the concepts, you know, that from this book. Kamijic is always talking about the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. He loves the hero's journey. I mean, he doesn't always use it slavishly or anything. I don't want to give you that impression. You know, Kamijic does some pretty esoteric experimental stuff. But, you know, he loves this hero's journey. He's always harping about it. I don't really like the hero's journey much. I gotta say, uh, I think there's some real problems with the hero's journey. 
Um, I'm going to do a podcast at some point with uh, David Annandale where we're going to just rip on the hero's journey. So, you know, Greg, you know, keep your eyes open for that podcast. But I will, though, uh, at the same time, I will acknowledge that you are right, Greg. Um, the hero's journey has a lot of use, especially when you're trying to break story uh, and outline a story. So I would say the hero's journey is a good place to um, to start when you don't know what you're doing and you're kind of lost and you want to just get the shape of a story uh, before you break it down and break it apart. You could do worse than start with the hero's journey, you know, flesh out a story. And then I think in the writing process, it would really help you to abandon that structure and strip it apart, strip it down, take things out. I think the hero's journey is just has too much fat on it uh, in many respects for modern storytelling. Okay, I'll get more fully into that in another uh, podcast, but I'll acknowledge that Greg is right. Um, you know, I, I'll say, I'll put it down permanently here. Greg is right. Hero's journey is super useful, especially if you're just trying to you know, flesh out an idea. You're trying to take your, your vague idea and flesh it out into a story. Um, try the hero's journey. I recommend this book last because it's more of an honorary mention. I think it's a bad book to read early. Uh, I think when you read this book too early, this, oh, by the way, I should say the book. I mentioned Joseph Campbell. So Joseph Campbell uh, is an academic who wrote a book um, that kind of goes through this story structure that he believes is you know, common across cultures. Uh, but the writer's book, the book for writers, uh, that you, I mean, that's a good book to read, but the book for writers is The Writer's Journey uh, by Christopher Vogler. So it's The Writer's Journey, subtitled Mythic Structure for Writers. And it's in at least the third edition. I've got a third edition. I'm not sure if there's a new edition. But Christopher Vogler uh, you know, took this uh, hero's journey um, idea from Joseph Campbell. He basically just re-presented it uh, for writers. Uh, and this, was, has, this has been, you know, extremely um, influential in Hollywood storytelling. I think, again, I would say detrimentally so in some respects, but um, my complaints aside, uh, this book, you know, can really help you. The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler. I don't rec I'm recommending it last, um, not least, but last, because I don't think you should read it early. I think, you know, if you read this book too early, you just kind of take it as gospel. And I see a lot of people, a lot of people come into my writing classes and they can't listen to anything I have to say because they just are stuck in this hero's journey thing. They're like, I gotta do the hero's journey. How come you're not talking about the hero's journey? It's like, aren't you gonna explain to me how the hero's journey works and how to do the hero's journey? It's like, no, like, you don't need one you don't need the hero's journey in a 10-page story uh, and two um it's just no like enough with the hero's journey as like the default for all storytelling but you know what um it does work um to get your head wrapped around an idea um you can do a lot worse than wrapping your basic premise around the hero's journey and then kind of like refining it and editing it and taking things out and adding things in and playing around. So I do recommend the book um, a little reluctantly. I'll recommend it last. Um, I think you will get hung up on it uh, if you read it too early. 
Um, but definitely, you know, something you should read. You should make your own uh, informed decision about whether or not this hero's journey is going to work for you. You should try it out. Um, you should take it and leave it, uh, depending on what your story is and how it's going to work. I think that's like the big lesson uh, I want to underline after all of this uh, recommending. Um, every one of these books, and every time you encounter a book on writing or a book on anything like this, uh, you should really try this stuff out. Like try the ideas out. You know, pick a project. Just do what the book says. Then assess, you know, uh, okay, where should I change things? Where do I agree? Where do I disagree? Um, a lot of the times I think we fall into the habit of reading a book, like a book on writing and saying, no, I disagree. Yes, I agree. You know, you kind of start assessing it as you're going. I think it's smarter to just assume a posture of humility and assume you don't know everything <laughs> and you have something to learn from this book. Uh, and to just take its lessons at face value, do what it says, and then after that, after you've actually done what it says, start applying your analytical mind. You know, then start thinking, okay, I did everything the book said for me to do. Now let's look at it. Um, what helped? What hurt? You know, then kind of start assessing uh, it a little bit. Sometimes when a book is suggesting things to you, or when a person even, if you're taking a workshop from somebody or you know, uh, taking a class from somebody or whatever, sometimes the lessons that they give you are wrong. Uh, and sometimes the lessons they give you are right, but they seem wrong because you haven't tried it yet. You don't know what you're doing. So you have to have a certain skepticism in the sense, but I think you have to have an after-the-fact skepticism. I think you should have be open uh, to what you know people have to teach you and what books have to teach you you should try things out you know don't assume that just because it sounds wrong it is wrong you know try it out uh, and then you know make your assessments um, sometimes what you learn when you try when you follow you know what people the advice people give you sometimes what you learn is that it only makes sense when you're doing it it doesn't make sense to hear how you should do it um, so the reverse is true uh, sometimes you can over invest in what people are telling you um, and you just keep trying to shove everything into the mold or the formula um, now there's other books I didn't mention that I don't really recommend um, like I don't recommend Sid Field that much um, you know but if you want to read Sid Field uh, read Sid Field with an open heart do everything he says and then kind of look back at what you did and think okay well it's working what's not working where can I maybe improve on this again I don't really recommend Sid Field personally but you know it's not like it's garbage right like when these books are garbage you find out real quick because you try to do what it says and it doesn't work and you kind of figure out oh it's not working because it's stupid uh, or it's not working because I don't have the skills you know, usually you can figure out the difference between those two. Anyway, those are my recommends, the top 11 screening books, uh, in the order I suggest you read them. Not necessarily how good they are, but the order I suggest you read them. And uh, I did capital off a point with The Hero's Journey, or The Writer's Journey, I should say, Mythic Structure for Writers by Christopher Vogler. 
I'll do some other podcasts where I talk about the best books and you know, other types of writing um, later on. But that's the best screenwriting books, in my opinion, uh, in terms of you know how you might want to approach them, what you maybe can you know mainly learn from them. Uh, JonathanBall.com slash the best screenwriting books uh, will get you to a list of those in the show notes. Thanks for listening and keep writing the wrong way. Yeah,